Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, animal lovers, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'm truly delighted that you've tuned into our show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. This morning, Lori Ekman from Puppy Up will be stopping by to talk about the Two Million Dogs campaign. If you haven't heard about this project before, you're going to be amazed by the full story. And after our halftime break, Lisa Molina from California Pomeranian Rescue will be checking in to talk about the great projects California Pomeranian Rescue, or CPR, has been up to since we spoke to them last. So stay right where you are, and we'll get started after a quick message from the station here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'm very pleased to introduce our first guest of the morning. It's Lori Ekman. Good morning, Lori. How are you? Good morning, Marie. I'm great, thank you. How are you today? I'm doing really well, and I had the pleasure of meeting you at the Surf City. Actually, it's not Surf City anymore. It's Southern California Animal Rescue Team Fair a little while ago, and you had a booth set up and all kinds of great information, and I thought, wow, we have to get you on the show, so I'm so glad that you're checking in with us today. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. So the first thing I'd like to introduce our listeners to is the Two Million Dogs Mission. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Two Million Dogs is a nonprofit that was set up for canine cancer research and comparative oncology. Our mission is to bring awareness for everyone about canine cancer, its similarities to human cancers, and help fund education and research that can benefit both pets and people. Wow, that is very cool. I know so many animals these days seem to be diagnosed with cancer, just like people. Are we seeing more and more cancer, or or am I just observing it more? I think you may just be observing it more, and in part it's because the knowledge is getting out. And I guess you could say word is spreading. People are talking more, and they're sharing that information. Okay, And so what do we do if we find out our our pet has cancer? Are are there options available? Well, your first thing you should do is, is, of course, take your dog to the vet and find out what type of cancer it is because there's so many different kinds. There's bone cancer. There's mammillary cancer. There's skin cancer. There's brain cancer. There's so many different types, and there's so many different options that you have. It would also depend on the age of your dog the type of cancer they have, how far along is that cancer um, in its 
progression. And that's why we stress so much learning about cancer and its signs and knowing what you're, knowing your dog and just how they react, what their daily moods are, how they're eating, are they sleeping, is what's going in, is it coming out right? So it's understanding everything about your dog possible. So you, the sooner you notice these things happening, the sooner you can catch it and hope and you'll have a successful recovery. Wow. So so paying attention to what's going on with your pet is super important. Making sure you get your pet in for regular checkups once a year at least because that's the way you catch things early and that's the way that any kind of illness can be treated, hopefully. And I understand that there's a lot of similarities between cancer in dogs and people. Can you talk a little bit about comparative oncology? Um, comparative oncology is the study of cancer that naturally occurs in animals and the comparison to the human counterpart in order for us to identify treatments and cures that would benefit both, hoping that if we understand that better, that we will be able to find a cure for not just canine cancer, but the human cancers as well. Does canine cancer progress on a more rapid level than human cancer since their lifespans are more compact? Unfortunately, it seems like it does. Okay, so when we're following a case in dogs uh, who have cancer, watching that and taking notes from a scientific perspective really can help human doctors and human researchers in, in determining cures and treatments. Oh, absolutely. And again, it's when we're able to detect those cancers in our pet and at what stage we catch them at and the different um, methods of treatment that we have. And we we do, the human cancer treatments are the same as the canine cancer treatment. So we have the um, radiology, we do surgery to remove the mass, then we test it, then there's chemotherapy, there's also radiology. So we do apply those same methods as we do in human cancers. Okay. And it's all in when you find it and when you treat it. Okay. Now, Two Million Dogs is a nonprofit organization and it has a board of directors. How do they determine what research programs they're going to fund? And also, where does the money come from? The money for the different programs that we fund comes from our annual Puppy Up Walks. And we have, um, we've had over 100 Puppy Up Walks across the continental U.S. Oh, wow. In, in the last five years. And those are our basic fundraisers. Can, can our listeners find more out about the Puppy Up uh, That's hard to say. Puppy Up Walks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Um, you can look at 2milliondogs.org and click on walks, and it will show you every walk that's scheduled for 2014. And then okay. you just click on the city of the desired walk you'd like to attend or anything or any questions you might have, and it'll give you all the information. Now, is this a walk that you do with your dog, or is this a humans-only walk that benefits the 2 Million Dogs mission? It's it's a walk you can do with your dog, you can do it with friends, you can do it without a dog, you can borrow your neighbor's dog. <laughs> okay. So either, either way, <laughs> either way. How did 2 million dogs get their name? It's very unusual. Well, actually, <laughs> there, there is quite a story behind that. 
Two Million Dogs was started by our founder, um, Luke Robinson, who lost his dog, Malcolm, to canine bone cancer back in um, January of 2006. He didn't know how common and how prevalent canine cancer was until his dog was diagnosed with it. So Mm -hmm. he decided to try to share that information and share his journey and his story with others. So what he did is he walked from Austin, Texas, to Boston, Massachusetts, with his two other dogs, Murphy and Hudson, and that was roughly 2,000 miles. And when he got to the end of his journey, he thought, well, if two dogs can walk 2,000 miles, let's have two dogs walk 2 million miles. Wow. And so all of our... All of our Puppy Up walks, as we call them, because Puppy Up is our call to action to battle canine cancer, all of our Puppy Up walks are two miles. Oh, okay. So we have a log on our web sh- on our web page that shows how many dogs have walked the two miles, and we're waiting. We're trying to get to that two million mile walk. Ah, okay. That all makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> and and isn't your your founder Luke on another big walk right now? Yes, he just started in early May. He started his West Coast walk, which he um, he started at the Canadian border, and he's walking the entire West Coast all the way down to the Tijuana border. Wow. <laughs> and I know that just recently he crossed over into California, so he's averaging about 40 miles a day. No way. Give or take. Oh, my and goodness. And he's... <laughs> I know. I'm. It's very admirable. I can't. I. I mean. I. I did a marathon once. <laughs> twenty six and what? Twenty six point two miles, and I was dying. <laughs> I know. And he's doing forty miles a day. Wow. Mm-hmm. And he's he's actually walking with his um with his Great Pyrenees Indy. Okay. <laughs> he was walking with Hudson, but um, Hudson, which is another one of his dogs, was um, starting to have problems with his the pads of his feet. Oh. So one of our um, one of our volunteers from um, Two Million Dogs drove from Colorado to California to pick up Hudson Aww. and bring him back home. Okay. So right now he's only walking with Indy, but Indy um, does have a tracker, so you're able to log on to the website and see where they're at. Well, well, before I let you go, let's give that website out. Uh, is 2milliondogs.org. Okay. And you can find all kinds of other great information there. And I just want to thank you so much, Lori, for stopping by the show today. And I hope you have a tremendous response to this program. Oh, thank you so much for letting me be a part of your program. And we have our Huntington Beach Puppy Up Walk the very first Sunday in November, and we are also putting together a walk in San Diego. Oh, very good. For later on in the month, and you'll be able to find out all that information on our webpage. Outstanding. Well, we need to take a very quick break now, but when we return, Lisa Molina from California Pomeranian Rescue will be bringing us the latest news from her all volunteer life saving organization. So stay tuned to KJAZZ 88.1 FM. We're 
We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show, and it is my pleasure to introduce Lisa Molina, the CEO of Southern California Pomeranian Rescue. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well, and I'm so happy to be talking about Pomeranians. I have my own little Pomeranian. He's 13. He's an old man now, but he still acts like a puppy for the most part. He's so adorable. No, they do. The older they get, the more puppyish they look to me, especially if you give them that cute little puppy cut. Yeah, they don't seem to to get old. They they just seem to stay just happy and wound up. I mean, you can you can pet them real fast, and all of a sudden they'll run around like a little wind up toy. It's incredible. Yeah, even even when they're thirteen, fourteen, it's you know they still have a lot of energy, and they're just so much fun. They I'm really so happy are. that you have one. And the thing about it is there's a lot of them in animal shelters and rescues, and that just amazes me. How do these beautiful little dogs end up homeless? You know, there's so many different reasons, but there are. A lot of people think that they can't find, you know, a cute little Pomeranian in a shelter or rescue situation, but there's just so many of them. We rescue about three Poms a day, you know, just from the shelters and owners that can no longer keep them. So they're out there, you know, and they're... It's not the dog's fault. Sometimes the person no. loses their home or, you know, can't afford to take care of them anymore. There's all kinds of reasons. You are very kind because I've heard other reasons like they shed too much and they're too much trouble and I'm getting new furniture and I don't want dog hair all over. And, and those are the reasons I hear and I just go nuts. Oh, yeah. Once in a while we get that, but we, we don't, you know... We just want to find the dogs a new home, and there's a lot of owners that aren't educated, and they treat animals like, you know, it's a piece of furniture. Oh, he doesn't match my couch, or, you know, I'm getting new carpeting, I need a black dog, or, you know, that's, <laughs> it's just silly. That's silly stuff, but, it, it I mean, is. you know, there's lots of dogs that aren't in the shelter because of that, but a majority, I would say, is really just people that, you know, can't keep their dogs anymore. Well, you know, I, if I became homeless, my dogs would live with me in my car. <laughs> That's oh, just the way it is. Me too. Me too. They I are agree. my kids, and and they are not going anywhere. They are with me for life. <laughs> oh, that's good to hear. That's how I feel. Now, exactly. how did you get started in rescue work? Um. Well, gosh, just becoming aware of how many Pomeranians, you know, need help. I I've always had pet pets, you know, and I never really thought about going to shelters and rescuing animals, but once I, you know, became aware of the need, I just jumped right in and and we started a rescue and that's, you know, like our little giving back to our dogs that we love so much. Now, what is it about Pomeranians, though, that that got you into Pomeranian rescue specifically? Well, Pomeranians are just such wonderful dogs. You know, they adapt so quickly to new families. Um, They're their personalities, they're smart, but they're very playful. They're very intuitive. They get along with most adults and most children, but, you know, kids, the little ones, like toddler size, you know, palms aren't really up to the rough-and-tumble play okay. that they have, <laughs> okay. you know, because they're little. But I just I love their personalities, and it's like a big dog in a little package. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> And they always make me laugh. They're always happy, smiling, like circus dogs. They are like the little clowns of the dog world, aren't they? I would say that's one one way that we do describe Pomeranians is definitely little clowns. Now, 
how long has Southern California Pomeranian Rescue been around? Gosh, we started in 2009. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, after a lot of people that I know that have Pomeranians, you know, once we became aware of the need, we immediately started um, the rescue and started rescuing Pomeranians. However, we did always help Pomeranians before that, but not on such a large level. Okay. And do you have an actual facility, or are the animals that you rescue in foster homes? Most of the animals that we rescue are in foster homes. We have about 30 wonderful foster homes. Um, We've got about seven adoption counselors who do the home visits and, you know, follow through with the adoption process. And basically my role is I kind of oversee the intakes and the vet care that the animals need. Okay. But, yeah, we do not have a facility. That is something we would like in the future. But right now it seems to be working fine with the foster homes because it's really getting the dogs acclimated to, you know, going into a home, you know, if they're coming from a shelter. And that creates a real turnkey pet. So if somebody wanted a pet who already knew the rules of how to go to the bathroom outside and, and what's expected inside, that's the way to do it in a, in a foster home. Oh, exactly, yeah, because if they have problems, we work on it. You know, if they're not potty trained, then we work on that. If they, you know, jump up on people or bark, you know, we try to discourage them from doing that. Yeah, and you Um, can also figure out if they get along with other dogs or if they get along mm -hmm. with cats and find out all the little things that people want to know about when they're ready to adopt. Yeah, because then when they look at them and they're ready to, you know, choose a family member, we can give them a little history on their personality because we've actually lived with them. Now, you probably need volunteers to help foster. Is that true? We do. We always need volunteers. That's one of the difficult things about rescue is the constant need for volunteers. Because the more volunteers we have, the more dogs we can rescue. Definitely. And if some of our listeners were interested in volunteering to that capacity, what should they do? Um, We have a really user-friendly website. And also we're on Facebook where we have applications for people that want to foster. And it's a pretty simple process. We basically have you fill out an application and we come out and visit with you in your home. And, you know, we point out things that we think might um, be great assets for fostering or things that we think might be a problem that they might want to fix. And we find out what kind of family situation it is so that we can match a dog with them, you know, so it's a good fit. Okay, and you mentioned you have a website and a Facebook presence. How would they find you on the Internet? Um, We're at SouthernCaliforniaPomeranianRescue.org. Oh, that's easy enough. And on Facebook, they would just put in Southern California Pomeranian Rescue? No, that's SoCal Palm Rescue. SoCal Palm Rescue. Okay, that's very, very easy. Do you have pictures posted of your available pets? We've got pictures, and we've got little bios, and we have videos. We've got all kinds of fun things that, that people can look at cool. to, you know, kind of see the personality of the dog. What is the interview process for somebody who wants to adopt one of the little critters that you have? Um, we basically just kind of find out what their, what their lifestyle is. Are they home during the day? Um, do they work? Um, are there children there? Are they alone? Do they have any other pets? Um, you know, because if somebody is working all day, then we'll try to find a dog that's used to being alone that, you know, doesn't need a lot of energy and a lot of, you know, high activity. 
And if it's a busy family and they want a dog that they can walk and run with and, you know, all that, then we find a dog that can fit that type of situation. So basically the interview process is just to see what the family needs. Okay. You know, and as far as a dog, because we don't want the dogs to end up back in the shelter. Absolutely. You want it to be a good fit and a permanent fit. <laughs> yeah, and we want to know their level of dog experience, you know, because some people, if it's their first dog, we don't want to give them a dog that has, you know, serious, uh, well, not serious, but, you know, issues that an experienced dog person would need to deal with. Okay. Like maybe snapping or barking or really okay. having trouble with their potty manner. <laughs> well, Pomeranians sometimes can be a little barky. We were talking earlier about how Pomeranians think they're big dogs, and I know my Pomeranian thinks whenever he sees a 150-pound Great Dane that he's just as big, and he likes to bark. And and yeah. really, once he goes up to the other dog, he's all wiggly and tail waggy and everything. But it kind right. of freaks out other people sometimes when you have this little dog that's barking, and you wonder what's going on. <laughs> Well, see, that's another part of the interview process because we try to explain to to new adopters um, the personality of the Pomeranian, that they might do that, you know, that they think that they're a big dog and they want to go after and how that can turn around and hurt them because a big dog will will take it as an aggression. Right, right. You know, and that's how these little dogs get in trouble because they're barking and they're running up and if, you know, the person who's walking the dog lets them do that, the big dog can just, you know, take a bite and that's it, you know, and they're so small even yeah. a paw lifted up over their head or something could mm-hmm. break a shoulder. Absolutely. So, yeah. And we try to explain to people about small dogs and, and how they do like to run up to big dogs <laughs> <laughs> and act like the aggressor. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, another thing, too, is that barkiness isn't necessarily aggressive barking, but the humans on the other side of the street with the big dog might not realize that that's not aggressive barking. My dog is just barking because he's saying, Hello, I'm so excited. I want to see you. Come here. I want to go there. You know, and it's just, right. oh, wow, he's he's so hyper. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. They do. They're so happy. And they can be just happy barky, you know, with the little waggy tails and doing the happy dance. And, you know, a bigger dog might think it's a toy and just want to play. And, again, just because of the size difference. Yeah, that could be a problem. Just, you know, even just play claim. You know, you just have to be careful with these little guys. And you have counselors who give everybody the whole book, so to speak, on how to be a good Pomeranian owner. We try to. We do the best we can because we we want to ensure that the dogs are safe and we want to make sure people know what they're getting into and that they're up to all the little antics that these guys have. <laughs> okay. Is there an adoption fee? There is an adoption fee, and a lot of people question, you know, why I'm rescuing a dog, why do I have to pay an adoption fee? And, you know, I I explain this to people that, you know, there's a difference between private rescues like ours and government-funded shelters and facilities that have their own vets, and the government pays a certain percentage of the care and upkeep of the dog. Mm -hmm. Where private rescues, the only income that comes in to care for the dogs is income from the adoption fee or the generosity of people who donate. Okay. So, yes, we do charge a fee, and that is really, we don't, you know, have any employees or anything. It's really just to cover, you know, the medical and the upkeep of the dogs and um, just making sure that we have funds to feed them all and, (laughs) you know, keep them groomed and make sure they have their leashes and collars and microchips and all of that costs a lot of money. It costs us about, mm, around... 
for a basic rescue, it's about $300 per dog. Okay. And it goes up from there if they have, like, a broken leg and, okay. you know, so forth. So well, that yeah. all makes sense to me. And before we say goodbye, let's give out your website one more time. Okay. It's uh, Southern California Pomeranian Rescue org. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And the same here. We need to take one last break now, but don't go away because we'll be right back with Pet Place News and Events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. On September 14th from 9 a.m. to noon, lasso up all your kin and little buckaroos and join the OCSPCA for their 17th annual Walk for the Animals fundraiser. This year's theme is Pure Country. They're putting on a boot-scootin' good time full of fun prizes and entertainment. Their silent pauction will be the best in the West. Plan on seeing lots of cowboys, cowgirls, bandits, and varmints in the best country western costume and best trick contests. The grilled cheese truck, dogzilla, and waff and roll will be on hand to serve up some mighty fine vittles. There will also be a grand pledge prize to the individual who raises the most pledges and special prizes for everyone who raises $150 or more. Head on over today to John Philly's Grill to pre-register and pick up your tea and goodie bag. You'll be rewarded with a serving of John's crazy delicious fries. For more information about the event and volunteering your talents, give a holler to 714-964-4445 or better yet, send an email to info at orangecountyspca.org. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org to send us your comments or suggestions for the show and find out what other fun animal-related activities there are on the Pet Place calendar. Or visit us on Facebook by looking for Pet Place Radio. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Murray Hewlett. Please Bay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.